Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Our scripture this morning comes from Psalm 119, verses 53 through 160. Listen to what God has to say to you this morning in the scripture. Look on my misery and rescue me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for, you, for they do not seek your statues. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your justice. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not swerve from your decrees. I look at the faithless with disgust, because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Preserve my life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances endures forever. The word of God for the people of God. Morning, y'all. How are you? Uh, Oh, wow. This is going to be fun. How are y'all? Great. So my name is Brittany, I'm the pastor here, and um, glad to be here today. We are continuing in this sermon series called Inside Out, The Emotional Power of the Psalms, and today we get to talk about disgust. You know, when I preach, I usually like to begin with a good story, and it took everything in my power to not tell you a really disgusting story this morning, right? You know, just something that that would cause your heartbeat to slow down a little bit. And that feeling of nausea to start to escape out of your stomach into your throat. And for the, you know, for your face to sort of start to go into that gag look of, you know, of disgust. I I really wanted to do it, but I decided that I was supposed to be preaching the gospel and not disgust. And so you're welcome that I'm not telling you a gross story. Um, But I do want to begin with prayer. Holy and gracious God, open our hearts to your yearning and longing. Open our eyes to your vision for this world. Open our ears to hear and know where we should go. Open us to be your people, to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So each week we've been sort of catching up on the motions. I've been letting Pixar share um, just a little clip. And so I've got uh, the clip of disgust, if you guys want to play that. We all have um, these five emotions inside our head. And, and also this idea that one of them primarily sits at the control panel. Uh, and so you can sort of think about like what maybe emotion primarily sits at your control panel. 
For me, I realize that it's, it's probably not disgust, but that disgust emotion takes over at times. All of us have these emotions of disgust that are, that are actually innate for us. Uh, if, you, if we smelled raw sewage, disgust would move into this control panel very quickly, right? All of us would experience that nausea and that, that grossness, right? Um, so there's some things that are just disgusting. We all agree they're disgusting, right? For others, we sort of acquire disgust. We, um, it, what's disgusting for one person is not disgusting for another person, right? Like, how many of you know somebody that finds feet disgusting? Yeah. You don't, and see, I'm asking so, that you find, know somebody that finds it so that you don't have to admit it yourself, right? Um, how many of you know somebody that finds cockroaches disgusting? Yeah. Uh, how many of you know people that find, like, food textures disgusting? Yeah, right? I, I was talking with a friend recently who, who shared that she doesn't eat mushrooms uh, because they remind her of what it would be like to eat an old person. Um, and that, that's disgusting, right? So we all have our own little things, right? Um, yes, we do, right? So I don't know about um, feet or mushrooms or any of that, if that actually serves a purpose in our life. But from the beginning, disgust, what scientists think is that disgust helped us in, in some ways, like fear, to stay safe, right? So if we would see... Um, rotting berries, you know, as we're like gathering and hunting, we, we um, would not eat them because we know that it would make us sick. So we would, we would find them disgusting. It was this like almost innate, like, let's not eat the berries, right? Or um, d that disgust kept us from getting contagious diseases. It was a sort of defense mechanism, right? So disgust was good, right? Like we're not going to eat this poisonous food and possibly die from the sickness that we got, right? And so I celebrate this emotion of some disgust that we have, right? It causes me to, when I'm walking down the street and I see someone, I am going to talk about dog poop. I hope that's not too scary. It causes me to, like, when I'm walking down the street and I see dog poop, I don't think, ooh, I think I'd like to eat that. No, I have disgust for it, right? Like, thank you, Jesus, that I have disgust, right? But um, the problem with disgust is that it can tend to creep into disgust for people, right? What, what has been helpful for us so that we don't ingest poisonous food makes its way into how we deal and interact with people. And that's not helpful, right? So back to the dog poop. The other day I was walking in the street, and I'm like a magnet for this thing. I was walking on the sidewalk. I feel like I should say very clearly I was on the sidewalk and just minding my own business and walking along, and I think I stepped in something, and then suddenly my family was like, Ew, what's that smell? Who stepped in the dog poop? Gross! And it was gross because I had dog poop all over my shoe, and, you know, like... I had to put my shoe in the dishwasher or something to sanitize it. Not really. Not really. That's gross. <laughs> Woo! Um, and so what happened is the disgust that I felt over the content of the bottom of my shoe soon turned into disgust at the person who did not clean up after their dog, right? How can someone do that? I mean, like, there's signs like this everywhere. <laughs> There's signs like this everywhere, right? 
And so to paraphrase the uh, verse of Psalm, one, uh, the verse 158 of the psalm we read today, I looked at the negligent dog owner with disgust because they did not keep the command to clean up after your pet, right? Disgust toward dog poop turns to disgust toward a person. Does anybody else ever feel disgust with fellow dog owners? I'm going to come back to that feeling in a minute, but I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about the law. Laws are important. You'll notice this picture says um, it is a threat to the health of our children, right? It transmits disease. So laws help us, um, they, they help us have cleanliness and order. They help us um, stay safe, right? Not just laws about dog poop, but laws, right? They create, they create coherence in a world of chaos. And laws are not new. We've had laws for a long time. Uh, most ancient societies had laws, including the Israelites. There are many laws and customs at play during the time that this psalm that we read today was written. Uh, some of the laws were, abs- were, were things like about table fellowship, right? Like who you can eat with and who you can't eat with. Some of the laws were about sanitation. You know, there's, in the book of Leviticus, there's, there's laws about, and I'm going to say it, sorry if y'all get squeamish, but laws about, like, what does a woman do when she gets her period? How does she get cleansed after that? There's, like, whole sections, right? Um, there are laws about, like, which animals were considered clean and you could eat, and which animals you shouldn't eat. There were laws about um, who you could marry and who you couldn't marry. There were laws about like, what you do when you, your harvest comes in, how much of it you're supposed to give as an offering. So all of this helped create order and cleanliness and coherence for the Israelites, right? Most of these laws are found in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. Have you all heard that word before? Yeah? Okay. Um, so... I'm going to introduce to you two Hebrew words. There's Torah, which is not Torah, it's Torah, and then Imrah. Imrah is actually the Torah. So it is mentioned in our psalm that we read today, it is mentioned in that psalm 19 times. Not in the little piece that we read, but in the entire psalm. The psalmist had this high respect for the law, for the Torah, for, for all those, those rules that, that were given, that God gave to the Israelites. The, the psalmist had a huge, high respect for that. Also used regularly in the psalm, and twice in the section that we read, was the word, I lost it, was the word Torah. And that is not about the specific words and books of the Bible, but more about God's, God's word speaking into us, into this world, Right? It's about the prophetic teaching um, and instructions that God has offered from generation to generation. This word comes up hundreds of times in the Old Testament. So it's not like a specific decree, like in the Torah, but more about like how, how God is offering God's self and sharing and moving and breathing in the world, right? So if you read this entire psalm, it's 176 uh, verses. And I want to challenge you. That's your homework today. I love to give homework because I used to be a teacher, right? 
read the entire, try to read the entire psalm in one sitting. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on our welcome tables. Try to read the psalm in one sitting. And you're going to see two things. You'll probably see lots of things, but I'm going to point out two things to look for. The first is that you're going to see the psalmist has been persecuted. The psalmist has been uttered, or othered and harmed, right? And so you'll, you'll hear that in the psalm, the psalm crying out and saying, I, I have been hurt, I have been harmed by others, but I am remaining faithful to you and to your Torah, to your Imrah, right? The second thing that you're going to hear is this deep, deep, deep desire to live and be faithful to God, to live and be faithful to God's Torah and Imrah. And as I was reading it, I, I, I mean, I, I was like, this is awesome. I, I read the psalm and I thought, I desire to desire God the way that this psalmist does. You see, I mean, just so deeply, this desire to walk in the path of God in this psalm. And I thought, I, if I could desire that amount of desire to walk, man, my life would be changed. It's beautiful to have that desire. But like so many things that are good, um, there's always shadow sides to them. And the shadow side, in this case, to have this desire and this, this desire to live in righteousness and to, to walk in God's way, the shadow side is that we can easily begin to feel disgust for those that don't follow that way. You tracking with me? Feel disgust for those that don't practice their faith the way that we practice our faith. Kind of like the disgust I felt for the dog owner who didn't pick up after their dog. That can be dangerous, right? That's the thing that we have to be careful about with our disgust. It can get out of check and we can start to feel repulsion toward people instead of situations. Sadly, I saw this in the political convention that happened earlier this week. There are lots of comments made, and um, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this, but I want to say those comments were rooted in disgust for other. Did you see that? They're rooted in a disgust for other, right? It's like about a circle of purity and trying to stay pure. And my response to, to this week uh, was to be able to feel disgust for the speech givers, right? And boy, this psalm, if you want to throw that up there, just look through this. Man, when you feel disgust, this is a really good psalm to read. Great is your mercy, God. Give me life according to your justice. Many are my persecutors and adversaries, yet I do not swerve from your decrees. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. Right? Do you feel the argument here? I'm full of disgust. The other people are full of disgust. It's a lot of repulsion and disgust going on. The problem is that this isn't what this emotion was created for. Right? It was created to keep us safe from poisonous foods. 
So are we actually supposed to feel disgust for another human being? For another child of God? Anger, sure. We talked about anger last week, right? Holy anger, righteous anger. But disgust was never meant for people. This is perhaps what we need Jesus for. It's actually exactly what we need Jesus for. To show us what it means to be human and to save us from making other people objects of disgust. To save us from the sin of othering people. One of the stories of Jesus that I've been sitting with this week, um, almost as an antidote, maybe, I don't know, um, is the one where he cleanses the leper. It's found in Mark and Luke. I've been sitting with the one in Matthew. I think I chose Matthew because Matthew as a gospel is a, a very Jewish text. It was written to, to, to the Jews. And so that feels like it's a good answer to the, the law, the discussed stuff, the law that you know we've been talking about. So I, I'm just going to tell you the story in case you, in case you don't remember it. Uh, Jesus, he's been up on the mountain. He's been preaching the sermon of his lifetime. We call it the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, right? You can read that too if you want extra credit. He comes down and the cheers of the crowd are still ringing in his ears. It's just been an incredible high. Preacher's high, we'll call it. And this leper bends down before him on his knees right before Jesus and says, Master, if you want to, you can heal my body. Now, leprosy, just, just to remind you, leprosy is a disease of the skin that was, at the time, thought to be highly contagious. And it um, leads to tremendous disfigurement, to numbing, to um, lung issues, to blindness. It is just, it's awful. It's awful. Leviticus, that book of law that we were talking about, actually gives very specific instructions on what priests, what people are to do if they think they have leprosy, what priests are to do. And um, the priests are to examine, would have, the priest would have examined him, would have seen and verified, yes, you have leprosy, would have then said, tear your clothes, cover your face, and now everywhere you go, you need to... Um, Yell out a warning to everyone you come in contact with. Yell out, unclean, unclean. So here's this man whom ever since he was diagnosed with leprosy has had to warn everybody that he comes in contact with, I am an object of disgust. I am to be repulsed. Stay away from me. It gave everyone permission to forget that he was a child of God, right? So there he is kneeling before Jesus. If you want, you can heal my body. And Jesus reached out and touched him, saying, I want to. I want to. Be made clean. He crossed the boundaries of the law that was set before him, in Leviticus, in Torah. He crossed the boundaries and touched this man and said, I want to be made clean. He touched what was untouchable. He crossed the boundaries of disgust 
declaring and reminding this man that he, too, was made in the image of God and not a thing of disgust. And it was in that moment that all signs of his leprosy left him. Disgust is meant for rotten food, never for people. As we take serious this walk of the Christian faith, we know that disgust for others causes harm not only to us, but also to that person. It tears our community apart. It polarizes. Look at our political environment, y'all. I'm on one side. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say it's not my I'm on one side so disgusted with the other side, and they're on that side so disgusted with my side. We are... We, we, disgust has given us permission to other and separate ourselves, right? And I can stand over here and feel really righteous and look at, with scorn at the people over on the other side, right? Again, anger that leads to change, awesome. But disgust that just makes people an object of scorn, not awesome. That at its most basic level is sin, right? This is what Jesus came to heal us from. Though the law helped us to learn how to live, that's Torah, right? The law helped us to learn how to live. It gave, gave order. It did not change our hearts. This is what Jesus does. Romans 8, it reminds us, I have the whole verse up here, uh, verse 3. Romans 8 reminds us, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Right? The disgust we feel, we can hold on to it and, and use it to other people, or we can give it away. As we walk in Christ, we can become liberated to see people as people. Jesus can free us to live more fully lives that celebrate and Build up community. We don't have to feel disgust for those people that have not quite caught God's vision. But joy, knowing that God, that Christ, that Jesus is at work in them. Just as God's at work in us, right? In me, in you. Liberating us, freeing us from the sin of disgust for others, contempt for others. So we can all be healed and changed in love. So, man, thank you, Jesus, for working in negligent dog owners. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for working in hateful politicians. Thank you, Jesus, for working in you. Thank you, Jesus, for working in you. Thank you, Jesus, for working in me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.